Good morning, CBC. Is this thing on? Let me see. Good morning, CBC. Oh, there y'all are. I don't know if it was just that my thing wasn't on. Y'all probably were greeting me very enthusiastically the first time. I just didn't hear you. Um, thank y'all for being here. Let us uh, Today we're going to worship the Lord, and so we're going to open with a song called Oh, Praise the Name, and, and we should do that this morning. So I invite you to stand with us as we sing. I cast my mind. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. By heaven's throne, Messiah still and all alone. We're going to praise the name. Here we go.
blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. David, in a time of trouble, wrote this praise inserted into a moment where he was crying out to the Lord. Read it with me or follow along. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify your name forever, for your loving kindness towards me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Now we're going to sing to him.
You may be seated. Jonathan, will you come? Will you come? to worship with you all this morning. Welcome to Cypress Bible Church. I love my church family, and it's so encouraging to be able to see you all. And if this is your first time here, welcome. We pray that you feel encouraged and blessed as you leave here today. At CBC, our aim is to gather, grow, and go as the body of Christ, as a church family. And part of that is worshiping together in corporate worship. We have a lot of exciting things going on at Cypress Bible Church, and one of them is, if you look up at the slide up here, we are adding some people to our care and counseling team. I'm so excited to announce Christine Hards is coming to join our care and counseling team. She is a graduate of Texas A&M <laughs> and earned her master's at Sam Houston Stacey. I've learned to pause for any time you say that. Christine has over 10 years of experience as a counselor, and she offers child counseling, working with adolescents, parents, family, individuals. And so we're excited that she's going to use her gifts to bless this church, to bless this city. And so with that being said, if you want to make an appointment or get information in order to engage with her and interact with her, please feel free to call the church office and ask for Nancy German in the care and counseling office. Also, we... We pray. As a church, we believe in prayer. And every Sunday, if you look on the slide, we have an opportunity for you all to pray with our church elders. There we go. Uh, and so I encourage you, right? Let's put our pride aside and let's come and pray with one another. Let us be lifted up by one another. So I encourage you to come and pray and be prayed for. Next week, we're going to have a ministry fair. And what does that mean? Well, part of being a part of this church family is we serve one another. And what we're excited about in this regards is that every ministry has different needs that can be met by people in this church family. So women's ministry, men's ministry, go ministry, care and counseling ministry, children's ministry, early kids ministry, student ministry, all sorts of aspects have needs that can be met by all of us. And so we're going to have those out in the church foyer for you next week, and you can go check them out in between services. But I want to share this passage with you uh, just to give you even more vision of what could be if we really truly serve one another. And it says this in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that's why we serve, to build one another up, to build the church up in order to go. And so I encourage you, jump in the game. And we're going to actually have some videos of volunteers that serve in different ministries to be played in services moving forward. And uh, we're going to use the hashtag, serve my family, because that's what we are. We are a church family. And so hashtag, serve my family, is how we're going to talk about how we can engage one another to fill these opportunities that we have here at CBC. And so the first one I want to bring your attention to is our children's ministry. We are looking for people who want to pour into our children, not just to play daycare, but to pour into our children on Sunday mornings. And you all have that opportunity to fill that role. And so if you have any questions, again, they'll be in the ministry fair next week, but please feel free to reach out to Evan and Avalyn, and they're going to be happy to let you know how you can partner with them and join them. And here we go. This is going to be another announcement. I'm really excited. Uh, this summer, we have partnered with our good friends, the Simpsons, and I want to invite them up right now. The Simpson family. Yes, give them a hand. All right, we honor our brothers and sisters. Oh, Y'all can come on up right here. They can get a good panoramic picture of us all. And so the Simpsons are missionaries that we partner with, that we serve and bless, and they are going to South Africa. And this wasn't on cue, but I'm going to ask Sean to tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing in South Africa. Man, that was. 
Um, first, I just want to say you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for welcoming us into your family and um, partnering with us in South Africa. So we're going to, our goal is to mobilize Africans. Um, ultimately, we want to put Westerners out of business. We want to raise up African leaders who raise up other African leaders until there's no place left in Africa that has not heard the gospel. And so we asked them back in the spring, how can we partner with you all in more than just prayer and funds? And, and we had a South Africa van project, and we announced this at our family fun night a couple months ago. And so for the last month and a half, almost two months, we have been collecting money. The original goal that was given was 6000 That was going to cover half a van. And we as a staff decided, hey, that's kind of small. We serve a big God. God is bigger. Let's Let's do the whole van. Let's go for 12,000. And so we gave a new goal of 12,000 and we have our final total that God is good. God has provided. And the final total that we were able to raise is $14,787.94. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? And so, so it is amazing because the Simpsons now don't even have to worry about what are we going to do about getting the last of the money for a van. They're going to get to South Africa and get to work immediately. And I am so thankful that we got to play a small role in that. So church family, thank you all. All those online, thank you all for giving to God's vision and his glory. And so I want to pray for the Simpsons, and then we're going to continue in worshiping in song. But Lord, thank you so much for the faithfulness of the Simpson family. Thank you so much for their willingness to go to the ends of the earth so there is no place left, so that everyone has an opportunity to hear about the glory of your Son and the hope that is in Jesus Christ. As we continue to worship you, Lord, may our voices please you. May our hearts please you. May our ears and hearts be open to what the Spirit has to say to us. May our lives leave changed as we walk out of this church doors today. You are a good God, and we thank you for that. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing. Uh, we're going to sing a hymn based on Jesus paid it all. i 
Spring 
it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Two wonders here that I confess my worth and my unworthiness my value fixed my ransom paid at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him. Alone. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. My soul is satisfied. Good morning, Cyrus Bible Church. I'm Tony Svensson. I'm the Go Pastor. And so this morning we're going to be talking uh, about, through a passage in 2 Timothy, uh, verses uh, chapter 3 and verses uh, 1 through 17, and then 4, 1 through 5. And as Timothy uh, is receiving this encouragement and challenge from the Apostle Paul, He's, he's a young uh, minister, young in the ministry, and, and Paul's kind of writing these letters to both encourage and challenge Timothy. I think a lot of us, when we first get into ministry, we're really excited about the opportunity that we get to serve God. Only problem with ministry is we have to minister to people, right? And the only problem with ministers is that we are people. And anytime you get people together, guess what happens? You get a, you get a mess, it's a challenge. And so whether you're sitting out there or standing up here, we have to figure out how do we work together and what has God called us to as a people of God. And so Timothy is uh, receiving this from Paul. And so I'm going to go ahead and read uh, chapters 3 and 4, 1 through 5. So 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. For among them are those who worm their ways into households and deceive gullible women, overwhelmed by sin and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Just as Janez and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. They are men of corrupt minds, worthless in regards to the faith, but they will not make further progress. For their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of Janus and Jambres. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. Along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconum, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live godly, Life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and impostors will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue on in what you have learned from your family 
and firmly believed. You know whom you have been taught, and you know from infancy, from what, from infancy, you know the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have itching ears. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So this is quite a, a lengthy um, passage, but I think all of it is very relevant to our day. Uh, when we think about this first notion of living in the last days, I think all of us probably have asked the question, are we, are we living in the last days? When, what, what is before us? Are the last days yet to come? And I think Paul is writing in the context of he thought they were living in the last days. And so the question, are we living in the last days? The, the answer is yes, we are living in the last days. And that can both be a discouragement or it can be an encouragement uh, because we know who is in control. We know who is sovereign over all things. And God has said that all of these things will come to pass. So when they do happen, we shouldn't be surprised by them. But as I was reading through this list this week, I, I, it just... It, some of these things kind of jump out and you're like, man, that is so our society right now. One, one that jumped out was irreconcilable. Like we live in a culture right now where we, we are being so divided by so many things. We've come to the point where there are certain groups you can't even get in a room together to agree on anything. They are irreconcilable. And when you read through this list, you might get the idea that, man, the, the world is getting crazy, right? And we just don't want anything to do with it. The, the problem that we have is at the end of this passage, he begins to, to talk about leaders within the church and corruption within, within leaders, and so you have to ask the question, then who is, who is Paul writing when he's, when he's describing all of these things? Is he writing about the condition of the world? Or is he writing about the condition of the church? Because after this, he's describing these leaders who were corrupt. He, he mentions Janus and Jambres. These were uh, thought to be historically the magicians who, who kind of uh, were on Pharaoh's side and they were, they were causing problems and distorting the message that Moses was trying to get Pharaoh to let his people go. And he says, there's going to be leaders that will rise up in your day who will be like this. And that's a, that's a, that's a problem for us. We are to be different than the world. The church should look nothing like the world. Our congregation, our leaders, but we have to recognize that these, these days are coming when, when we're going to see the corruption of, of the church. We're going to see corruption of leaders God has called us to be transformed. And in this passage it says that there are, there are those who will have a form of godliness, but they will deny its power. What power is he referring to here? I think when we think about what we've been called to, we've been called to present our bodies, plural, we're, we're called to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to a holy God. And in so doing... What does God do? 
He transforms our minds. He transforms our hearts. He transforms our ambitions. And when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, as a church, He leads us in a different way. He leads us in the way of Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who leads us to the Father. And ultimately, that is our desire as a church, is to lead people to the Father, knowing that one day we will all stand before Him, praising Him and worshiping Him in eternity. It's the power to transform. It's the power of the gospel. We are not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who will believe. And over and over, we find it harder and harder. We, we, we steer away from the truth of God's word, from the power of God's word, from the power of the gospel and what he's called us to. And, and we try to, to follow patterns of the world, thinking that somehow we can be successful, that maybe we can draw people to us if we change the way we do things. But what we do has to be directed by God's Word. It has to be directed by the Holy Spirit. It cannot be directed by the world or we get ourselves in trouble really, really quick. Jesus dealt with corrupt leaders in his day as well. And he had uh, some pretty strong words for these leaders. From, from the outset, from the outward appearance, you would, you would think these were some great leaders. They appeared to love God. They're in the, in the Word regularly. They're tithing. They're fasting. Right? But these religious leaders, Jesus over and over, in John 5, 30, 39-40, He says, You pour over the Scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them and that they testify about Me. But you are not willing to come to Me so that you may have life. In Matthew 23, 27-28, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and every uncleanness. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. I would love to say that, that we don't have teachers like that in, in this day, but, but the truth is, is that we do. We always have and, and we probably always will, but we have to be mindful of these things. Uh, over and over in Scripture, we're, we're, be, we're warned of, of heresy to watch out for wolves amongst the sheep who will come in and, and deceive and seek to destroy So the question is, though, in, in the sight of all that we see going on in the world right now, what is, what is our response? What, what, do we, what do we do as a church with this? Sometimes, as a church, we want to surrender. We want to give up. Leonard Radable Hill said, today's church wants to be raptured from responsibility. That will happen one day. And I can't even say, but it's not this day. It could be this day. It could be tomorrow. It could be a thousand years from now. But it doesn't change what we've been called to. Paul thought it, the end times were in his day. And, and what was his response to that? He gave his life for the sake of the gospel. When he meets Timothy on his first missionary journey going through Iconum, Lystra, and Derby, what did he face there? Persecutions. They stoned him to the point where they thought he was dead. And what does he do? He gets up and he moves on. And then he comes back and he revisits these. And out of that is birthed Timothy. As he comes back as in, his, in his second journey and he's realizing that Timothy is faithful, he raises him up as a leader and he's sending these, these leaders out to new regions. And they lived their lives if they thought, we don't have much time. 
There was an urgency for we need to get the gospel to the lost. Where did, they, where did they get these ideas? Well, first and foremost, they got these ideas from Jesus. Jesus lived his life with urgency. My people need to hear the good news of the gospel. The gospel needs to expand. And so what does he do? He commissions his disciples to go. In his power and authority, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey. And as you go, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the work that God has called us to. That is the work that God has called his church to. So in the sight of all that we see in the world, our desire isn't to be removed from it. Our desire is to press on. And this is what, this is what Paul charges Timothy with. And the first thing he says is to remember where you've come from. Remember the foundation that has been laid. We can only build on one foundation, right? We can only build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. And Timothy had a family that poured into him to make sure that he had that solid foundation. So we as a church, as we minister to our young people, to our, to our children, our youth, and we call for volunteers. This is, this is the kind of thing that we want our young people to have. A solid foundation when the, when the weight of the world comes at them, they will be able to stand. When Jesus gives the, the parable of the, of the wise and foolish builder, he says, both of them hear the word of God, but the wise one hears and he does. And he's the one that builds his house on the rock. But he says the foolish one is the one who hears the word of God and does not do. And he builds his house on the sand. And when the storms come, uh, because the storms are going to come in our lives, whether we are believers, unbelievers, whether we are faithful to God or unfaithful to God, we are going to face storms in our lives. The question is, is where are we found, where, where is our foundation? If it's Jesus Christ, we will be able to withstand and when the storms come, we will still be there. But those who don't have that foundation, when the storm comes, the destruction will be great. That is what Jesus tells us. So he's reminding Timothy, remember this foundation. Remember the sacred scriptures that led you to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, many times uh, I hear this saying a lot, and I understand the intent behind it. Uh, we'll say something like this. The Bible is a guide that teaches us how to live our lives. And I would argue and say that's not at all what the Bible is. The Bible is a guide that leads us to Jesus Christ. Because we could never live by the letter of the law and if you haven't learned anything from the Old Testament, they had the letter of the law and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. But over and over again, God's grace is poured upon his people and ultimately it points us to a person. It points us to the person of Jesus Christ. So the, the scriptures are not a guide to teach us how to live. They're a guide that leads us to Jesus Christ. And only in him can we live the life of God. And so Paul encourages him to remember this. Remember the wisdom that led you to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We are saved by God's grace through faith, not by works lest anyone should boast. And then he even emphasizes this more fully in 16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. It's important that we, are, that we remember the emphasis on Scripture. The, the church has been given two authorities. When Jesus enters into ministry, he's baptized in the Holy Spirit 
descends upon him, and the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And where does the spirit lead him? The spirit spirit leads him into the wilderness immediately. He leads him into difficulty and trial. And and in, in the midst of these trials and the temptations of Satan, Satan over and over, he's trying to, to tempt Jesus to depart from this path, this way of God. And over and over, empowered by the Spirit, Jesus says, but the Word says. But the Word says. And so the two authorities that we have as a church today is we have the authority of the Spirit and we have the authority of the Word. And we always have to return to that. And so when we're asking ourselves, what, what is the path forward for Cypress Bible Church? The first thing we have to say is, what does the Word say? What does Jesus command? We're tempted. We're tempted to be pragmatic in the things that we do. And we can ask the question, what do the people want to hear? What do the people want to do? What could we do to gather more? There are plenty of churches across this country right now that are gathering in the thousands. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Because you can do all kinds of things to gather people in masses and say, hey, look how successful we are. We've never been called to that. Jesus had the masses before him when he's feeding the 5,000 and feeding the 4,000, and yet he had relatively few disciples. And Jesus wasn't even concerned about losing some of those disciples. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the disciples said, these teachings are too hard. We can't receive them. And they left. And who remained but the 12? Do you also want to leave me? Where else would we go? You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. The call has never changed. It's the same for us today. Do we want to be disciples of Jesus Christ? Then we look to the Word who can equip us for every good work in Christ Jesus. So the question then is, what would God have us do as a people of God? It's the same message over and over throughout Scripture. The same thing that Timothy here is commissioned to do. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering. Preach the Word. A lot of times you you hear this this phrase, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. I heard a, a pastor one time say that. And he says, people are saying, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. So get out of the handbasket. <laughs> Don't be a part of the world. When we look at the world, the, the worst thing a Christian could say is go to hell. It, it, it's, it, it's something that a Christian should never come out of our mouths because if we recognize what hell is, eternal separation from God, we wouldn't want anybody to go to that place, even our worst enemy. So how we engage a lost world is instructed by Scripture. And Jesus says what? Love even your enemies. Love one another. And how you love one another is going to be a testimony that we belong to Jesus Christ. So we remember the foundation, we remember the Scriptures, and He charges us. I solemnly charge you in the presence of Jesus Christ, who is going to be the judge. He is going to judge the living and the dead. Now sometimes when we, when we look at the world, we want, to, we want to correct the world. We want to say, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that and um, we need to make this illegal and we need, to, we need to stop that. But at the end of the day, we have to recognize that God alone is, is the judge. And if we spend all of our time and energy, particularly trying to look back and, and, and correct things, 
we're going to get ourselves in the trouble. Will anybody escape the judgment of God? Not one. But our culture is consumed with trying to correct the things of the past. Some of those things are evil. And if you've ever taken church history, history is the messiest thing you could ever study. Even studying church history, it is messy. And it is filled with evil and brokenness and corruption. And our job isn't to bring utopia to the planet, to correct everything, because we can't do it. By human wisdom, we always will fail. So what do we do? We do the only thing that can bring truth. The only thing that can bring justice. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We return to that over and over and over and over until Jesus returns for us. It it really is just that simple. It doesn't mean we don't recognize evil in the world. We see it all around us. It doesn't mean we don't call evil evil. Now, when we call evil good, we have a problem. And our society has a problem right now. We're calling many things that are evil good. Again, the scriptures say these things will happen. But it doesn't say change what you're going to do based on this. It says preach the word. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and patience. This is Paul's word to Timothy to encourage him, to challenge him. We can't be pragmatic. Doesn't mean we don't want to do things that work. I'm a part of, of a lot of missions work around the world. And when I go and I cast vision to other pastors, the first thing they, qu- they ask me is, hey, does this work? And I say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it works. If I'm convinced that the scriptures have called us to this, I have to do it whether I like it or not. Whether I see one person come to faith or 10,000. I've got to be faithful to the word, first and foremost. We as a church have to be faithful to the word and what we've been called to. He challenges Timothy to fulfill his ministry, to do the work of an evangelist. So you might be thinking here, well, Timothy was a disciple of Paul, and he's telling Timothy to go do the work of the evangelist, but I, I don't... Thankfully, I'm not an evangelist, so I don't have to go do that. Uh, Jonathan read Ephesians 4 earlier. God gave the church evangelists for what purpose? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And so if you're not an evangelist, you need to find an evangelist and get equipped. So we've got a a gospel conversations training today after, after services over here in the community room. If you want to be equipped for the work of the gospel, come to one of these trainings. Start that process of learning how could God use me for the work that he's called us to in the word. An evangelist, and once you're equipped evangelist, doesn't mean we're going to send you to Africa or you're going to be out on the streets, but could you at least share with the people in your relational network, friends, family, co-workers, at minimum we could all do that. And then God is going to raise up people that he may send to Africa, like the Simpsons. And praise God that we get an opportunity to partner with them in in that work. And so when when we look at the world today, we might just say the world is irredeemable. Again, come Lord Jesus, which it's okay to say come Lord Jesus, but not, (laughs) doesn't free us from the responsibility that God has called us to. And you might be convinced that, that there's just no hope. But I want you to, to see this chart. You say, what is, what is God doing in the world today? Is he at work? Because the world seems to be getting worse. But if you look at these, these are the, the, the centuries, first century, third century, fifth century. And then there's something that happens between the 20th and 21st century. What, what, do, you, what do you see there? Do you see a spike There's something (laughs) miraculous happening right now in world history. Do you see it? There's something miraculous happening. There's an expansion, an explosion of the gospel around the globe right now happening. 
that God is inviting us to be a part of. The church is growing faster now than it has in all of church history combined. There are more people hearing the gospel probably today than heard the gospel in the past 20 centuries. That's that's wild to even contemplate. And you have to ask the question, well, what is God doing in this day that is different than then? I think he's getting ready to return for us. I think he's getting ready to bring all things to an end and all things will be made new. I think he may be setting things up to usher in his kingdom. And we get to be a part of that. Man, that should be exciting. It shouldn't be depressing. Stop looking at the world and start looking at Jesus. Start looking at God. Start hearing what he's called us to and be a part of it. Most people live their lives within an era of history. A select few live during a, time, a turning point in history. We are among these select few. This is an amazing time to be a Christian. But are you aware of it? Are you a part of what God is doing right now? And so we as a church, we have, we have an opportunity. We, we gather in life-changing worship. We grow in life-changing truth. And we go in life-changing mission. So one-third of what we do as a church, begin where you are, become more like Jesus. How do we do that? We gather, we grow, we go. A third of what we do is we go in life-changing mission. Where do we go? We go local. There's people in our community that need the gospel. We go short. We take short-term mission trips to help long-term strategic movements of the gospel and disciples and church planning. And then we partner with long-term workers. And the only way that's possible is through you all support and giving to these ministries. The Simpsons are being supported by us as a church to go on behalf of us to represent Cypress Bible Church, to represent the king in South Africa and all of Africa. And we get to be a part of that. Because when you look at our, our giving, our general budget goes for most of the ministries of the church except for the Go ministry. The Go ministry is separated. It's a separate budget. And so we put emphasis on this idea that, that going is a part of who we are as a church. And so I encourage you, if you're not giving to that, give to that. Be a part of that work. Be a part of the Simpsons and all the missionaries we have at almost every corner of this planet right now and growing and expanding. It's it's an amazing opportunity to be giving. It's an amazing opportunity to be praying for these missionaries, praying for these workers, praying for the people in our neighborhood. God, would you bring your gospel here? Would you give your people access to, to discipleship, to healthy church? How do, we, how do we do that? We are set on making sure that our church is equipped for this work. We want to see God glorified in all we are and all that we do. And so in the face of this evil world, we turn to the foundation in which God has called us to the foundation of Jesus Christ. We remember the sacred scriptures and we teach them, we proclaim them, we preach the word, we convince, we rebuke, we exhort with all long-suffering and patience, we do the work of an evangelist. Let us pray. Father God, we love you, we thank you, we praise you for what you're doing in the world right now. Lord, as a church, I pray that we would have a desire to be a part of that work. So Lord, just remind us of the foundation that you called us to through faith in Jesus Christ. That that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And when we look at the world, we know that you died for them as well. But they have yet to hear the good news. They have yet to receive it. They have yet to put their faith in you, Lord. And we want to bring the gospel to them telling them that, Jesus, you died for them, that you were buried and that you rose again from the grave. 
and that through faith in you, they can be saved as well. They can be a part of your church. They can be your people. And so, Lord, as we seek to do that here locally and around the world, would you provide in a way that only you can, that we can be a part of your work? We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing this great hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing Tune my heart to sing Thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise His name I'm fixed upon it Name of God's redeeming love Hitherto thy love has blessed me Thou hast brought me to this place And I know thy hand will bring me safely home Just as a a real quick reminder is next Saturday is the second Saturday of the month, and that means we have second Saturday. So that's another opportunity for us as a church to serve, to go out into our community. Uh, We invite you to come and be a part of that. Uh, We're also partnering with the Simpsons in an apartment community, and so we're going to do a cookout there, and uh, we are going to bring the gospel to that that community. We partnered with Moore Elementary, and so we've adopted kind of that Lakewood uh, area. And so if you want to be a part of that, come and join us. Let's pray. Father, as we leave here today, I pray that you would empower us with your spirit for your work. Glorify yourself through us, your church, we pray and we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise is rising, eyes are